Hello, actor friend. Welcome back to Acting Lessons Learned. Thank you for spending your listening time with me. If you're new here, I'm Tawana Floyd, the creator and host of Acting Lessons Learned. I share intimate details of things I've learned in my acting journey that help me move the needle forward, backward, or laterally toward becoming a working actor in Los Angeles, California. I'm doing a series of my commercial career experiences. Since that's where most of my income lives, resides, where the money resides. Today, I will talk about booking my first national commercial for Good Nights, a pull-up pamper for toddlers. I'll share the lessons I learned, these four aspects of booking that job. One was the audition, which didn't go well. Two, receiving residuals for the first time for two years straight. Four, learning all of the different types of categories by which a commercial airs and how I got paid. And four, the gut punch when the commercial stopped airing and the money stopped flowing. So let's talk about booking television commercials because especially, specifically, national commercials, because it's such a highly coveted job by many actors and sometimes non-actors who just happen to understand that commercials, national commercials can be a big payday if an actor is in one. Everyone speaks so joyfully about receiving residuals. Oh, you've got to book a national commercial because then you'll receive residuals and you'll be financially stable, which to a degree is true. But no one talks about when the commercial stops airing and the money you grew so accustomed to receiving every week stops. It feels like a death has occurred and the seven stages of grief set in. And there was nothing to prepare me for that. And because I took it for granted that the money would always come, I didn't properly prepare for that harsh reality of a complete and full stop of income. And then shortly thereafter, I was back in debt. Before I descend into this topic, if you haven't already, go back and listen to the episode 102, Agent Termination, Time to Go, where I share some backstory of this particular Good Nights commercial booking and how it led to me terminating my then agent, but also how it made me or provided me a Taft-Hartley that made me sag eligible. Now, I almost said SAG-AFTRA, but it wasn't SAG-AFTRA back then because the unions were still uh, independent and they hadn't merged yet. So throughout this episode, I'll be saying SAG. But I want to give you a brief synopsis before you go back to that episode. So basically, I began my commercial career in New York City as a non-union actor, and I moved to LA in 2005, where I believed, I believed I would book a national commercial and become SAG eligible through a Taft-Hartley from a commercial. That was my vision. That was my thought. And I believed it would happen. And it did. Because we become what we think about. And also, you should check out episode number 113, Commercial Career Starter Kit, where I talk about how I began my trajectory to becoming a commercial actor. I, I made a decision in the early 2000s, to become a commercial actor. And I bolstered that decision by constructing 
multiple intentional actions to make it a reality, especially when I moved from New York City to Los Angeles. Now, I'm going to jump back to the year 2007 when I was a non-union actor, right before I booked the goodnight spot. The opportunity to audition for this job came on the heels of me taking a leap of faith, quitting or instead downgrading from a full-time job to a weekend-only job. And I was still determining how I was going to make ends meet. But I knew I did not move to L.A. to work a full-time job, especially a full-time job that robbed me of my energy daily, because I had complete faith in God being my source. And I also had a catalog of Tony Robbins' Hour of Power CDs on my iPod Classic that I listened to every morning. And both of those helped me to reach a point of doubtlessness, that it was time for me to stop being broke, working for a corporation, and put all of my faith and energy and time into my ability to build a commercial career in L.A., I decided to bet the house on myself. If I was going to be broke, (laughs) I'd be better off being broke trying to build an acting career instead of giving 40, 50 hours of my time and energy away to a company that wasn't paying me enough while they were becoming increasingly wealthy. Around this time, I was introduced to The Secret, a metaphysical documentary about the law of manifestation And I began learning the laws of the universe and ancient wisdom. While many people deem the film to be a farce, for me, it was the directive that steered me to believe I could make my dream happen by focusing on what I wanted, taking the daily right action toward the goal, believing it was already happening, while leaving space for the universe to provide, to make provisions for me. And I also, if I can introduce this for those who don't know, side note, I had adopted a theory into my approach to pretty much everything in my life called the Pareto Principle. So the Pareto Principle states that for many outcomes, roughly 80% of consequences come from 20% of causes, also known as the 80-20 rule the law of the vital few, or the principle of factor sparsity. Was it sparsity? Sparsity. I, I spend 20% of my energy doing my due diligence to make things happen, and then I left the other 80% for the universe to make a way. Now, I know there's people out there who don't believe in this, and they call it woo-woo. I don't I don't personally use that word because I am an unabashed believer in universal law and principles. It works for me, and I understand that it doesn't work for others, and that's okay, but I'm sharing my belief system to help you better understand my thought process at that time. So in 2007, I was offered a time slot at a casting office for a straight-to-callbacks audition for the Goodnights commercial. So basically, there's the first audition, the second audition is the callback. So I didn't go to the first audition. I was invited straight to, to the callbacks. And typically what happens is maybe the director or the client, they may not feel like they have what they need in that first audition. So then they'll ask the casting director to bring in more people or new people so that they can see what's available. 
for them in terms of their choices. When I arrived at this audition, it was the end of the day. The sun was setting. I had worked nine hours at my spirit-crushing, energy-zapping, low-paying job. And I was one of the last to go in as a mom with one of the two remaining nine-year-old boys. It was not a great audition for me. The kid that I went in with was not cooperative, and I could sense he wasn't wholeheartedly interested in being a child actor. He didn't listen to the director, he didn't listen to me, and he was borderline, like, cantankerous, almost almost kind of throwing a fit in the room because he did, just didn't want to do what was being asked of him. Now, perhaps he was tired or hungry or simply didn't want to be there, but I continued to try to be a loving mom even though he was being a child jerk. <sighs> I I get annoyed by... There are some parents who just throw their kids into acting, knowing full well their kids don't actually want to be actors. And what's worse is the parents usually have yet to learn what it takes for their kid to be a cooperative partner in an audition. And they may not have even put them in some sort of acting class to get that training. So typically what happens in my experience, in my experience, is the, after the audition, the parent will look to me, the adult actor, to validate their kid's ability. And I'm really don't, I'm not big on sugarcoating the truth, especially when my time has been wasted. So I'd either leave abruptly because I could sense the parents, the parent was going to ask me if their kid was great in a room, or I'd candidly tell them their child didn't seem interested in participating today. But when I work with kids who genuinely enjoy the process of auditioning and acting, We have so much fun in a room because their imaginations are running wild and then I have to keep up. And I will commend that kid to the parent if the parent asks me. Now, some people might find it harsh for me to say these things about someone's kid or the fact that I'm calling this kid a child jerk, but we all know sometimes kids are jerks and sometimes kids don't want to be actors. And it really sucks for anyone who has to audition with a disinterested child because we're the ones who usually get dismissed from consideration. And someone is listening and saying, yup, yup, Tawana, I'm, I'm with you. So for those who aren't with me, these are my thoughts. These are my feelings. As an adult, Putting everything on the line to have a career in commercials, television, and film. During this audition, I was internally aggravated. In theater games, actors are taught not to judge what's happening in a scene, but to experience the scene from the character's perspective and do what we can to overcome the situation. So during this audition, I wouldn't show my frustration while the camera was running. I held it in until I left the building, of course, without giving the nine-year-old boy's mother feedback because sometimes I'm just too damn mad to do so. And also, it's just not my job. An actor never truly knows what it is that books us the job. But I have to believe, for this audition, because I remained loving as a mother in the audition, it worked in my favor. And when I received the call that I had booked the job, I was actually really surprised because I was confident that the 
little child jerk had ruined my opportunity. But I was mostly excited because I did it. I had finally booked the national commercial I had desired for five years. All the work, the 20% of the work, all the close but no cigars, I had finally booked it. And then I was frightened by the unknown and what it would be like and how to be on set and was it different from non-union commercials, which is a common occurrence of most people in general starting something new. And then I got scared. What if they cast me with... What if I got cast with the child jerk I auditioned with? And I thought if I did, if they did book that kid, I was sure to have a long and laborious shoot day having to wrangle that kid for eight hours, which has happened to me in future bookings. So it happens. But fortunately, I was paired with a different kid named Lucky. Isn't that great? I don't remember his actual name, but that's the name that he went by. That was his nickname. He was the last kid to go in after I left the audition. Lucky's mom had recently moved to L.A. from Florida to support Lucky's dream of becoming an actor. And we share that in common where we had both just moved here from the East Coast. And he was such a joy to work with. If you want to see the commercial, go to Instagram and type in Tawana Floyd Creative and scroll down to the to the bottom where it's the video cover is actually labeled Good Nights. And you'll see how cute and how great of an actor Lucky was as a child. Off the top of my head, I can't recall the turnaround time from the day of the shoot to the time it aired. I would need to pull up my commercial files from 2007, but in short, when that commercial began to air, I would receive ample residual checks every week, ranging from $600 to $5,000 each week varied, and my agent offered me the option to either pick up the checks or have them mailed to me. And since their office was 10 minutes away, I opted to pick up the residual checks and they were ready every Friday. And going to the office gave me some quality FaceTime with my agent and we'd have quick moments of chit-chat and get caught up, which helped her to learn more about me and me about her. It was so thrilling to get a call from my then agent to come pick up a check every Friday. It was a, it was like a big payoff I had dreamed of that so many people had spoke about. And, you know, sometimes you have to be in the experience to understand how things work. And I didn't know there were different categories of commercial runs. There was a class A, which meant it runs on all major networks during a peak time of watch nationally, and it's the biggest payout of the other types. And then there's regional runs in smaller local regions. There's cable, which is self-explanatory. Industrials meant in-house or conventions or doctor's offices. And then there's wild spot, which I don't even have the time to on this podcast to explain what that is. And quite frankly, I'd have to use all 10 of my toes and fingers and your 10 toes and fingers to even try to calculate how it works. It's just quite confusing. And there are more categories to date, but this I'm talking about is in 2007. So I wanted help understanding the discrepancy and the earning amounts, and I decided to call the payroll company to better understand. First, there is a protocol for getting the right representative to assist me. 
And I'm so glad that I began the call by explaining that I was a new actor trying to understand my check stubs because I was in an isolated experience and it hadn't occurred to me that this payroll company dealt with thousands of commercials and all the actors that were paid by this payroll company. The receptionist asked me for codes that were listed on my check stub and these codes helped her to discern which department to transfer me to. And once I was put through to the appropriate representative, I learned my commercial was a moneymaker, meaning it was Class A, regional, cable, industrial, and wild spot. The payroll company's rep congratulated me on my first national commercial, which was really nice to her, and said I'd be making some really good money because that good night spot was in all of these categories. She then went on to explain the 21-week MPU, which stands for Maximum Period of Use. It's like the equivalent of quarters in a year. The commercial runs for a 21-week MPU, Maximum Period of Use, and at the start of that 21 weeks, I receive the highest earnings in Class A because each run had a higher dollar amount attached to it. But then with each run, the earning dollar amount declines, but it allows the spot to run more frequently and longer. And at the end of the 21 weeks, a new 21-week MPU starts and the cycle regenerates. I also learned that cable was a lump sum at the end of its term. And like I said, wild spot, which I'm convinced it's called wild spot because it's just so hard to determine, but that was also paid in a lump sum. What she didn't mention, and I didn't even have the wherewithal to ask, was when the commercial would stop airing. But even if I did ask, she wouldn't be able to tell me. Even if she knew, like me, even if it was on her computer screen, she wouldn't be able to tell me because really the only people who can say that or say when it ends are the company, aka the client or the brand. They are the only people who know that answer. Commercial contracts are typically two years long, but the actor, the agent, the payroll company won't know when it will stop or when it will air, which sucks. It may run a few months, it may run the entire term, or it may not run at all. It may run at the, like months after you shoot it. It may run two years after you shoot it uh, or right before the, the, the two-year contract is up. We just never know. Also, the actor can be edited out of the final edit altogether, what is known as an outgrade or a downgrade. And when that happens, there are no residuals. All you receive is the session fee. And it's happened to me three times back to back, which was devastating because I just felt like I sucked as an actor and that's why the editor had to cut me out. But the thing about commercials you really can only count on the session fee. And then once it starts running, then great. But don't get your hopes up. Don't go buy a new car. Don't change your lifestyle. Just wait for that income to come in. Also, there's a way to make sure that you, or to try to make sure that you don't get cut out when there's more than four or five principal actors on a commercial. I have to think a pull-up pamper for toddlers probably made the lives of many mothers throughout America easier. 
So it was in probably high demand, and therefore I was fortunate to experience an entire two-year run of this Goodnight's commercial. Certain products require a broad reach and a long run because either the product is so commonly used or sometimes it's just cost-efficient for the commercial to run for years and possibly get renegotiated for another two years than for the company, the client, the brand, to spend another several million dollars to shoot another one. And when my contract was up with Good Nights, I was released. And those checks for various dollars amount that I'd been receiving for two years every week stopped abruptly. No warning, just done. (laughs) Sometimes there's a letter, but most times there's not. I felt like I was addicted to the routine of getting a call from the agent. Tawana, you have a check here. Do you want to pick it up? And I was, because now it was over, and I didn't have that rush, that thing that I was used to doing every week, or the reliance of the income. That full-time job I left before booking the commercial didn't pay me a living wage. I had to supplement my income with a part-time job and sometimes credit cards. And I didn't save a whole lot of the earnings from the residuals, mainly because I was still paying off debt that I accrued from working a job that didn't pay me well. Becoming solvent was a top priority with those residuals next to my living expenses. And if I had to do it over again, I would have gotten another job, a better job, a better work-life balance job in conjunction with receiving commercial residuals. Having two significant incomes would have set me up for what would come next, which was the writer strike of 2008 that shut down the industry. Union people were out of work. I got a part-time job at Apple at the Grove. And then after that, the economy crashed. And then after that, a SAG stalemate. So there was a big freeze on people in a union working and getting hired. Because I'm a union person, I believe that we should get paid what we're deserved. So I support the writers in that strike, and I believe they got what they asked for. And most people working in Hollywood took huge financial uppercuts that we had a hard time recovering from. It took me two years to get back on my feet, and it took me three years to book another, my second, national commercial. One of the reasons was I didn't believe that I could. I thought maybe I was a fraud and it was a fluke, and I booked that first one because, I don't know, it was kind of like the lottery. But then the main reason was I didn't join SAG right away, so I didn't have a lot of SAG auditions when the industry returned back. And and when I did join SAG, I wasn't quite mentally prepared to contend with seasoned union actors. It was very intimidating for me. So in my next episode, I'll share what I experienced once I joined SAG. I'll also share how I psychologically prepared to be a top contending SAG actor and the most significant commitment that changed my commercial success for the better. Thank you for listening. 
If you find this podcast insightful or valuable in any way, I would love it if you could support me. And here are three ways you can do that. One, you can give a star rating of four or five. It's pretty simple. On Apple, you just go to the show page for Acting Lessons Learned, scroll down to reviews and ratings, and give me a four or five if your heart so pleases. On Spotify, go to the show page, tap the three dots underneath the show's image, and tap rate. Again, four or five. A rating of four or five stars helps me to track on these platforms, allowing my podcast to be seen by more people who probably would love to hear these stories, more actors like you and me. You can also share this podcast with your fellow actor friends and tell them what you enjoyed about them. Give them specifics, because if somebody tells me something is great without specifics, I'm not really inclined to go check it out. But if somebody tells me exactly what they like about something, then I'm probably going to go and check it out myself. Also, you can buy me a cup of coffee. Well, cough tea. Well, I don't drink coffee, but I do drink tea. And there's a link below that says buy me a cup of coffee, but it'll really be tea. If you want to know more about me, check out my bio on my website at TawanaFloyd.com or you can follow me on Instagram at Acting Lessons Learned or Life by Tawana or Tawana Floyd Creative. All the links are in the description. And I'm going to leave you with this. If you want to be a commercial actor, just know this. It is not far-fetched. It is challenging, but it's not impossible. It is attainable, but it takes time and you can do it. So just stay committed to it and know that it can happen for you too. Until next time, bye.